Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. This made for this, uh, just to catch you up if you've missed any of these messages, we've talked about, first of all, if you're gonna figure out your purpose, what you were made for, one of the most important things that you find is your passion and how God needs to be the centerpiece of your passion uh, because God being the centerpiece of your passion is what purifies your own personal desires. We all have desires. Some of those desires are all flesh. Some of those desires are from God and are woven into the fabric of our being. And our submission to God and our passion for God is what purifies those desires so that God can fulfill and delight in fulfilling your desires. The Bible says that the desires of the diligent will be fully satisfied. So if we continue to seek him and make him first, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and All these things will be added unto you. When God is our first priority, he sets us up into a position where he can pour out blessing upon us in new ways. Last week, we also talked about how pain is one of the indicators that points you toward your purpose. If we can learn from those moments of pain, oftentimes it will ignite a place of passion in our lives and show us a portion of our purpose. So that's also very important. Today we're going to dive in and talk about your talents, your giftings, and how you use your time to perfect those things because those are also a part of what makes you you and understanding your own personal talents is one of the things that will absolutely help you uh, to, to identify and walk in your purpose. Now I want you to think back for just a second. I want you to think back. In fact, if you want to just kind of close your eyes, put your middle fingers together and start levitating. I'm just joking. I'm sorry. I'm just don't levitate. Don't levitate. If you can levitate, save it for after service. That'll freak out your neighbor. Um, or start a carnival. Uh, either one. Either one of those. Um, but, but if you could think for just a second. In fact, go ahead and close your eyes again. Don't, don't do the other weird part. But I want you to try to imagine The first time in your life when you were, maybe you were a child, maybe you were middle school, I don't know. Think about the first time where you realized that you were good at something. Maybe it was a sport, it could have been art, you you won a spelling bee, I don't know what it was. But I want you to think back to that place, because each and every one of us have certain things that we were naturally good at. You can open your eyes now. Um, My... Now 16-year-old daughter, Sydney, was such a unique uh, toddler. She never wanted us to read stories to her. She wanted us to tell her stories. And she would constantly, at two years old, she would constantly interrupt us and say, no, 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 that's not how it goes. And I'm making up a story. There is no actual direction. But she would stop and correct. And I'm like, are you telling this story or am I telling this story? And she's like, look, I'll just tell this story. And from the time she was two and three, she was making up stories. It was unbelievable, incredible creativity, the way her mind would work. At four and five, she started writing books. And I mean, illustrating them and whatever. And uh, I can't, I think it was Brown Kitty Goes to School. Was that the first one? Uh, And, you know, know, author Sidney Scrivener. I mean, like, like chicken scratch, right? The cutest thing ever. She had a natural ability to imagine and create and write. It was incredible. It was innate. 
Can you think back? Can you remember some of the things that you were good at and that were a part of your innate nature? Now, you may or may not be using those things now, but they're still part of your gifting and they were part of the formation of who you are. And hopefully you can figure out a way to use some of those things. For me, there was a, a time, and most of you know the whole thing about me being a professional martial artist, but there was the moment that I realized that I actually was good at this stuff. And I was 12 years old. It was the summer of 1986. I was sitting in my living room in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I can still remember the, the weird big 80s TVs, the kind of big box TVs. And the box was like a whole counter, right? It was like, like almost like a giant table that was like this long and then had a little bitty screen in the middle of it. You remember, it's like, what, what's in the rest of that stuff? I have no idea. But it's giant cabinet uh, for all just this one little tiny little screen and I'm literally watching Kung Fu theater okay I'm literally watching Kung Fu theater and the knock comes on my front door and I leave Kung Fu theater to walk over and answer the door and it's a neighborhood kid named PJ and he literally says through the glass door hey I hear you're taking karate why don't you come outside we'll see how good you are and I'm watch. I go from Kung Fu theater like, <laughs> your master is no good. I will show you how good I am. I literally go from that to a real kung fu theater moment in my mind. Now, the reality was he thought we were buddies, and he just wanted to practice some karate or whatever. What I heard was, let's see how good you are. So I walked outside, and I only knew three moves because I'd only been training for like two months. And he goes, all right, attack me. So I did kick, kick, chop as hard as I could. I chopped PJ in the neck as hard as I could, having no idea you can kill someone that way because I'm 12. I hit him right in what I would later learn is the, called the brachial plexus, and I knocked him completely unconscious in my front yard. And he's like mouth down in the grass. And so I do what any 12-year-old kid would do. I put both hands in the air, and I start walking around. I'm like, I am a natural at this. Now, here's what adds to the story. PJ had told everyone in the neighborhood that he was a black belt. So now the white belt has just defeated the black belt. So I'm looking for his belt to take from him because now, obviously, it should belong to me. That was the first moment. That, now, I had many moments where I would be humbled in the future, but that was this major moment where I realized, oh my gosh, I bet I could be really good at this. See, each and every one of us have talents we have abilities. Maybe it's for a sport or it's for athletics. Maybe it's for art or for drama. Maybe it's for writing or speaking. Every one of us have natural talents and it's up to us to identify those talents and then sharpen those talents and find ways that we can use those talents to make the world around us better. Now, there are people that believe that they don't have talent or they don't have a gift and I'm not really good at anything. Other people are good and other people are gifted, but not me. There are people that feel that way. And it's just simply not true. I want to show this to you in the Bible. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 5. It says, so we being many are one body. So all of us are individuals. But we are all one. We're separate, but we're one. We're all, we are many, but one body in Christ, 
and individually members of one another. This is interesting because you and I, Frank, even though we're individuals, we're members of each other. So we're different, we're separate, but we're one. You have gifts, you have abilities, you're individual, but only together are we one. And only together using those gifts and those abilities can we complete and fulfill what God has designed for us to do in our lives. Watch how it continues. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy. That means to hear from God and say what God is saying in proportion to our faith. Or if ministry, let us minister. The word ministry literally means to serve. Anybody and everybody has the ability to serve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through this real quick. I want you to see something, though. Every single one of these differing gifts is actually something that anyone can do. However, certain individuals have a greater propensity or a natural talent or lending to doing some of these things in greater levels. There's not a single person in this room right now that is unable to hear from your creator. Every single one of you. If you've accepted Christ into your life, and let me go as far as to say, and even if you haven't yet, you are not out of reach for God to speak to you. There are verses all through the Bible, illustrations all through the Bible of God speaking to evil people. And then them sharing what God has said. That's prophecy. According to the grace that is given each and every one of us. If ministry or serving, then let him serve. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. That word exhort is to encourage. Interestingly enough, when I looked up this word, the word for exhort is the exact same root word for the Holy Spirit. The word for exhortation is to encourage, to help, to come alongside, to partner, to be somebody's right hand, to be their wingman. That's actually the work of the Holy Spirit. See, oftentimes we feel like, man, this is so big for somebody right now. Some people feel like the only way to be important is to be the one in charge. But actually, one of the greatest works or gifts you can have is to be the one that comes alongside because that's what the Holy Spirit does. The one that comes in and says, I got you. I'm with you in this. We can do this together. That's an unbelievable gift and calling that many people have. Watch this. Whoever gives, there's actually a gift of giving. A gift, a special gift of giving. Whoever has that gift, let them give liberally. Okay, now watch. Does that mean that only people that have the gift of giving are supposed to give? Of course not. We all, does that mean only people that have a gift of teaching are supposed to teach? No. You will have the opportunity, whether you're a gifted teacher or not, to teach certain things to certain people throughout your life. Are you following me? So these are the things that God has given. These are certain gifts that God has given to the body of Christ. They're not the only ones. This is just a sampling of some of the gifts. But every single one of us have the opportunity and ability to do all of these things in some portion, in some measure, right? I can swim, 
but I can't swim like Michael Phelps. I can jump, but I can't jump like Michael Jordan. I can dance, but you don't ever want to see it, right? Other people have greater gifts than me. Miguel can actually dance. That boy can cut a rug, man. Got some junk in that trunk over there. Tell you what. We all have different measures of different gifts, and what we've got to do is figure out the areas that we have the greatest propensity for, the greatest amount of talent in, and then develop that talent and take it to the next level so God can be glorified in it. But it doesn't discount us or check us out of doing good in every area. We should all do good in every area. Thank God for people that are gifted teachers because there are certain people that teach that aren't gifted. Did you ever have that in school growing up? You're like, why are you here? You hate children. You should not be in this profession. I could, Brandy was talking about our coffee mug and wanted to say no lids on the bottom. My middle school gym coach had a coffee mug, and he drank out of the coffee mug every day. And if you were acting up, he would look at you, and he would take a long, slow drink of the coffee mug. And on the bottom of his coffee mug, it had a very vulgar expression or command towards you. And he would just drink from it and stare at you and then said, we don't know what was actually in the coffee mug. It might have been liquor. I don't know. But this dude was rowdy. Should not, have been a, should not have been a teacher. Every different part of the body. Now listen, there are, there are individuals in this room that are sitting here listening and some of you are going, oh my gosh, I know my gift. I know what I'm called to do. I know what I'm good at. I'm using it already. And there are other people in this room that are totally lost. People watching on, they're like, I don't know what my gift, I don't know how to possibly use the things that I'm good at for God. Just because you don't understand your purpose or your gift or your talent and how it can be used doesn't mean there's not a purpose or a talent. See, if we're looking at the illustration of the human body, because this, this passage is saying that we are all individuals, but we're all one. We're all one body together, and we all complete each other together. I, I probably don't really need my pinkies, but I want to keep them. I could live without my pinky toes, but I kind of like, like them. I want to keep them. There are parts of our, listen, 150 years ago, they didn't think you really needed your blood. And if you were sick, they thought the best thing they could do is drain your blood out. And the sickness would get out. We've learned a little bit since then, huh? There are people that still think that the appendix is not use, it has no purpose. Did you know that it actually does? They've discovered now your appendix has a number of different purposes. The number one thing is that it holds good bacteria so that when you get sick and your body has to flush and you no longer have bacteria in your stomach, you can repopulate good bacteria because without good bacteria inside of your gut, you can't process vitamins or create the hormones that your body needs from the food that you eat. It's important. Used to be seen as useless. Just because you don't understand purpose, just because you don't understand talent or gifting does not mean that it's not there and it's not valuable. It means you need to keep digging. There are a lot, a lot of things you could do. There's a class that we have right now offered in our church. Our Align class has a gifts assessment. 
that's fantastic. Caleb's gonna start a brand new class in our church called Created Purpose, has an amazing gifts assessment. It's fantastic, it'll absolutely help you. There are a number of different things. You can go online and take gift tests and things like that. You can go and you could, you could sign up and, and, uh, with a coach or someone like that. Listen, one of the best things you could do if you wanna find out what you're really good at is find someone in your life that will tell you the truth but likes you and will actually look at you and tell you the things that you're good at. Have you ever known somebody that everyone else could tell them the things that were so great about them and how God had called them and all the stuff that was in their life and how God was gonna use them in their life and they're the only one that couldn't see it? And they would make excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse of how they didn't have the talent and they didn't have the gifting and they didn't have the calling and they didn't have it and everyone else around them is like, if you would just wake up and recognize how amazing you are. God did not make a mistake when he made you. God was not bored the day that he made you. He had an intentional purpose. He made you for a reason. He put incredible gifts inside of you. Everyone, every part of the body has a purpose. Every single person has a talent. You may have different numbers of talents. There are other people, listen, there's always going to be someone more talented than you. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that you cultivate yours. Jesus told a beautiful parable about the talents. I love, I love this story. And in Jesus' time, a talent was actually a sum of money, um, a bag of money that weighed a certain amount, and it was extremely valuable. One talent was extremely valuable, expensive, a lot of money. And in this story, the story is found in Matthew 25, verse 14, he gives one guy five talents, five bags of gold. He gives another guy two bags of gold. He gives another guy one bag of gold. And it literally says in the passage, each one according to his own ability. Your God, Jesus is telling the story as God describing how he creates and assigns things to his children. And there are certain people that are five talent people. There are others that are two-talent people, others that are one-talent people. It doesn't matter what level you start at. It matters what you do with it. And in the story, as it goes, the guy that had five took initiative, went to work, and turned his five talents into ten. The guy that had two talents took initiative. They were, none of them were given any instructions. None of them were given any, they were said, here, here is a sum, here is a gift, here is a talent, I'm investing it with you, I'll be back soon. And certain ones recognized, I better do something with this. I don't want my master to come back and I have to look him in the eye and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And I don't have a good answer. Those of you that know the story knows that there was one of the servants, he only got the one talent, and he despised it. He had a bad attitude about it. It literally says that he dug a hole and he buried it in the ground. And when the master shows up, he brings his talent, he goes and digs it up, and he brings his talent back to the master. And this is verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. 
And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. That's your opinion of me is what the Lord is saying. So this is how you view me. You think that I'm like this? Okay, well, according to how you view me, according to your faith, according to your bad attitude, so you ought to have deposited my money with bankers. You put it in the ground, dude. At least put it in the bank. I could have made a quarter of a percent a year in the bank or whatever. And at my coming, I would have received back with my own interest. Therefore, watch, watch. This is so different than our modern, a lot of people, how modern people think. This is Jesus now. This is kingdom thinking. Therefore, take talent, the talent from him, and give it to him who has 10 talents. Take the one who doesn't have and give it to the one that has the most. Oh, that goes right in the face of certain political people, doesn't it? Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, watch, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And then he goes on to say, now take this servant and cast him out with the dogs. Can't be in my kingdom. This guy had been given a massive sum of money. But he had a bad attitude. He compared it to what the other people got. He had a bad attitude about the gift that he was given. He was jealous. He was covetous. He wished he could do this like that person or do that like this person. Had a bad attitude toward the, the master. So he buried it and did nothing with it. And at the end, the kingdom works like this. If you won't use what God has given you to use... He'll take it from you and give it to somebody else. It's not a welfare system in the kingdom. It's not a socialistic system in the kingdom. It's a kingdom. And we report to the king. And the king entrusts us with things and expects us to max them out. And if we don't use what he's given us, we will not be rewarded. We will not have a nice welcome. We all want to have a well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we all want. Come and share in your master's happiness. That's what we want when we stand before God. But we'll only have that if we identify the talents, develop the, the talents, and max them out for his glory. I have friends that are in the aeronautical field, and, and they use a term called attitude. It's a couple different factors. I'm, I'm, I, by no means do I have any expertise in aeronautics, but, but I understand pitch and roll and thrust and lift to a, a minor degree. And the pitch of the plane is called the attitude. It's where the nose of the plane is facing. You've probably heard the, the phrase attitude determines altitude, and it's true. If the attitude of the plane is up, if the nose of the plane is up, it climbs. If the nose of the plane is down, it, it, it descends. You have to have the right attitude that's appropriate. There are times to have a down nose because you need to descend. But, but if, you, if your nose is down too long, you're in trouble. 
And if it's down at the wrong angle, you're in trouble. You've got to have the right attitude. Every one of us has been given talent. Every one of us has been given ability. And every one of us will stand before God for what you do with what you've been given. And you can sit around and make excuses. You can sit around and complain. I don't mean to sound harsh today at all. Because I know that I'm in a room full of people that are excellent. But I also know that this message is going to go out there and you're going to share it. And it's also possible that there's someone in this room that's stuck. And you've been in a place of a pity party. And, and, and Jesus will be gentle with you. And he'll be patient with you. But at the end of the day, you got to get up. you got to dust yourself off. And you got to get in the fight. you got to get in the battle. You're too talented to waste what God has given you. And you will stand before him. And you will not be happy at the end if you don't. Toughen up and get out there and do what he's made you to do. I can't get stuck in the trap of comparison. Our talents are literally like muscles. The more you use them, the more they develop. It's not what you got. It's what you do with it. See, there, the guy with five talents could have been the one with the bad attitude. There's another story of a, of a very talented person in scripture. Jesus tells a story of a very wealthy man. He was very good at business. And, and he said, I am so rich. I am so good. I am so talented. I've got so many talents. I'm gonna tear down my barns and build bigger barns and store all my stuff and I'm gonna kick back and drink and enjoy my life. And Jesus said, you fool. Today, tonight, your life will be required of you. Let me tell you something. Your talents aren't about you and your talents aren't for you. God didn't give you everything he gave you for you. He gave you everything he gave you for his other kids. They're called a gift because you're supposed to give them. You're supposed to share them. You've got to use them to help other people around you. And if, you, if, if the guy that had one had had a different attitude... He could have had two. And then, guess what? He could have had four. And then he could have had eight. And then he could have had 16. He could have finished on top. And the guy that started with most could have finished on bottom. There are a lot of people in this life that start out with a silver spoon in their mouth. And it's actually a disservice. And you can't sit around and talk about what you didn't get and what you didn't have and the background you didn't have and not the right gender and not the right color and not the right any of that. We got to all stop making excuses and figure out what we've been given and max it out. It's about what you do with it. I want to take you to a part in David's story. I'm having fun. I love this message. I hope you're enjoying it because if not, it's just for me. I need to hear this today. I love the story of David. I, 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 re, I relate on certain levels with, with David in, in, a, in a number of different ways. And I love this little portion that I'm going to share with you that's a, a different portion that a lot of people don't look at and don't see. 
We've already talked in the last few weeks about how David was fueled in many ways by his pain, the pain of rejection from his, his own father, the pain of rejection from his brothers. He, he was abandoned. He was alone. He was neglected. Uh, it, he had a lot of things to be angry about in life. But instead of, instead of dwelling on his pain, he turned his pain into passion, and he discovered purpose. And one of his main purposes that he discovered initially was even though his father mistreated him, he was still honored toward his father and he still did the job with excellence that he was supposed to do and in his free time he would worship and he had a harp and he would sing and in the book of Psalms one of the most wonderful books in the Bible it's literally David's journal and you can read the songs that David wrote when he was up and then down in so many of his Psalms I can relate to because he's like oh my gosh my enemies are all around me I'm surrounded on every side I I don't know what I'm going to do but you my God are my strength and I when you I will rest and you are my fortress and And he found a way to go through and be real with his emotions some people are so Christian they can't be real with how they really feel and they pray fake prayers they can't talk to God like for real they got to make it into these fake prayers and they'll never really say what they're really going through thinking that God can't handle the truth and he can he can handle your flesh he made it got to be real with him And he'll get you through that and he'll show you his perspective. He'll help you with your attitude. There was a time where Saul, the king at the time, was rejected by God because he wasn't patient. He had become prideful. God said, I remember of Saul when he was small in his own eyes and I can use him. Oh, it's so important. Listen, it's so important that you recognize your gifts but you understand they're actually God's and you don't let them go to your head. You need to be incredibly confident and I'm gonna talk to you about that more in just a little bit. But you also need to recognize that you're confident in his talents. In his, he lent them to you. You are a steward of what God has entrusted you with. The talents, the time, the treasure, the abilities, the, the friends, the pe- everything in your life, none of it belongs to you. It all belongs to him, and you are a steward of it. And we can, as humans, get really cocky about how good we get at certain things. And at the end of the day, we better remember that it's really all him. Because if we get big in our own eyes, then we set ourselves up for a major fall. And that's what happened with Saul. So God goes looking for a new servant, and he finds David and anoints him. And then David, even though he's been anointed to be the next king in the future, has to go back to the field. He has to go back to the sheep. He has to go back to the day-to-day. But now he's anointed. You may be in a place where you know God's got something for you that's bigger than where you are right now, but you're still in a holding pattern. Be faithful in that holding pattern. Be faithful in the field because God's using your experience in the field to bring you into a future place where you have rule and authority, but he's developing you in the field. Amen. This is 1 Samuel 16, verse 15. It says, And Saul's servant said to him, because he was literally being tormented by a demon, the Lord withdrew his spirit from him and allowed a demonic spirit to torment Saul. And Saul literally in the scriptures was, he was you would see he was almost like bipolar or, or, uh, or multiple personality, total Jekyll and Hyde, if you read this passage in this story. 
And it says, surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you, Saul. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit of God is upon you and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, look. I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and handsome, and the Lord is with him. And Saul said, bring him to me. Now, can I point something out to you? This is before Goliath. David has no, as far as he knows, David has no reputation. David is a teenager at the time. But his reputation is preceding him. See, you may not see what's in you yet, but God will send people around you that do. And long before I could see the potential that is in my life, God put people around me that began to speak to it and say, I can see you doing this. I can see you doing that. I see this is on your life. Come on, you need, you need to pay attention to the voices that God has sown into your life to help you see what's really in you. This is an incredible description of David when he was a teenager, a shepherd, alone. But somebody had noticed his private life and pitched him to the king. See, this is one of the main things that, that, that helps me to realize that what you do with your gifts and the expertise that you develop is what's going to open doors for you in your future. You can't sit around and wait for an opportunity to get ready. You need to get ready knowing that an opportunity is on the way. David was out there. See, I have a problem with the idea. I know a lot of people, and it's, it's, a, fun, it's a fun thing to talk about and fantasize uh, about with, with David, um, that, that maybe it was a lucky shot. It was a million-dollar slingshot. Can I tell you that more likely, David was a stinking expert with the sling. See, there's a story, in, in, it's actually in the book of Judges, that talks about when it's... Uh, the army of God, that there were 700 warriors from the tribe of Benjamin that were left-handed, and it said that they were so expert with a sling that they could split a hair and never miss. David had all kinds of time. Target practice, target practice. David was an assassin. The truth of the story is Goliath brought a knife to a gunfight. And he never had a chance. David was an expert. David was an expert with his harp. He didn't get the opportunity with the king because he was pretty good. He got the opportunity with the king because he was an expert. He didn't kill Goliath because he was lucky. He was an expert. And this witness said, I have seen a man a son of Jesse, who is skillful. He's a mighty man of valor. He's a man of war. He's already a man of war. Saul saw a boy. Goliath saw a dog. But this man saw a warrior. 
prudent in speech. He had an incredible leadership gift that we would see later. Can I tell you that your gifts open doors for you in your life? In Proverbs 18, 16, it says, A man's gifts open the way for him and bring him into the presence of the great. Now, the word for gift is actually a gift, like a present. So you could say, well, Joel, that's, that, that's talking about if you give a gift, it gives you favor, and the person you give the gift to now opens doors for you. That's true, too. It goes both ways. But, but God gave you gifts, and when you use them and become excellent in them, your gifts from God will become gifts to other people, and they will open doors for you. There are doors that are open in my life because I practiced a gift and got really good at it. About 12 years ago, I read a book, and in that book, it asked a question. Many of you have probably read this book, Good to Great, and it said, what can you be the best in the world at? And that's a massively broad question, and that might be very intimidating to some people because the best in the whole world is a, is a, is a very big thing. But let me shrink wrap that down. What about in your little world? What about in my little world? What about in my circle? What, what about in my family? What about in my circle of friends? What can I become distinct in? What can I become one of the best in the world in? And for me, at that time, 12 years ago, I said, you know what? I think that one day I can be one of the best speakers and teachers. I can be a great communicator. And I decided I'm going to devote and develop my time to be one of the greatest speakers and communicators that I could possibly be. And if I'll hone that craft, Father, would you open a door for me? And then the rest is history. But, but I've always had the gift of talk. I, I've always had the gift of get up in front. I, I was never shy to be in the spotlight. It was just a natural gift. And there are people that take that natural gift and they allow it to be perverted and they use it for perverse reasons. And they can even do it on a stage in a church and it has a wrong motive. And then there are people, watch this, that aren't naturally for the spotlight and aren't naturally the one that wants to get up and speak. But God gives them a gift and gives them a calling and they have to fight against their personality. Right, Brandon? Brandon's one of the best speakers we have here in this church. And if it's his gut, He'll, he'd avoid it at any, at any turn. And you might not believe that because he's so darn good. But he makes himself do it because he knows God's called him to do it and he's really good at it, but it's not what he likes or wants to do naturally. But he's really stinking good at it. And if he doesn't do it because he doesn't feel like he's, he wants to do it, then guess what? He'll stand before God for not doing what God gifted him to do just because he didn't want to do it because it didn't fit the other parts of his personality. Forget your personality. Obey God. Your gifts will open doors for you. Big question, have you buried your talent? Have you buried your talent? Have you made excuses? Have you had an attitude about yourself? A bad attitude about yourself that reflects on your maker 
And so you've buried abilities and talents that he's called you to walk in and, get, and do. And you've made excuses because of different parts of your personality, different parts of your makeup, or different parts of whatever. And as long as you have that talent buried, listen, you will never be happy in life until you unbury it, dig it up, and start using it for him. You'll stay in a place of personal misery because deep down in your psyche, you will know you're disobeying God. And you can never be happy when you're disobeying God. Your time is a gift. What you do with your time. I need to pay attention to time right now. What you do with your time. Very important. How you use your time to sharpen your gift is very important. I'm gonna just go ahead and stop and, and we'll... we'll We'll pick up here next week and tie it into the rest of what we're doing. But, but I, I want to just pray over you today. And I want to encourage you in this way. Um, I want you to take the limits off of your life. Take the limits off of your life. Any excuse that you've been making about what your limits are. Limits in your income. Well, this is all I'll make. If that's what you say. If you say so, th this is all I'll have. According to your faith, be it unto you. Take the limits off. You don't have a limited God. You have a limitless God. And there are no limits on your life. You can walk in everything he has called you to walk in. You can max out your gifts and talents. And you can continue for the rest of your days to excel and to exceed. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.